If you have your Bibles, read along with me from Genesis chapter 12, and the reading is on your screen. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. and You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, and nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Chesham. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Hello again. This morning our message is entitled The Call of Abram. And before I begin today, I'd just like to put up three questions before we start today. What did you learn? So what are you going to learn today? Hopefully there'll be something in the message today that there'll be something that you'll learn that's in your head. What's God going to say to you in your heart today? And what will you do when you leave? It's all well and good to say, hey, Miles, good sermon, not so good, whatever. But God will speak to you, I pray, this morning as uh, we share in his word together and that when you leave, you will be able to do something. My prayer is that the message today will help prepare your heart to experience and embrace a move of God, whatever that might be, whatever that might look like. It might be in your home life, church life, work life, family life or community life. So let's pray as we come before him. Gracious God, we just thank you today for this wonderful time we've been able to come and share together to worship you and to share around communion, to remember what you've done for us and, Father, the hope that we have of life everlasting because of your love for us. Father, as we come into your word today, I pray, pray, Father, that you will speak into our hearts, that you will give me clarity in, in the words that I share, but most of all, Father, that your Holy Spirit will rest afresh on us. Father, that we, you will be able to speak into our hearts and our lives to grow and be more like Jesus. This I pray in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. Truck driver Larry Walters, he was a truck driver, used to dream of being able to fly. He would sit in his backyard and wish that someday he'd be able to do so. Larry didn't have the financial means to take flying lessons, so he devised his own plan, and it all culminated on July 2, 1982. 
And there are a variety of interviews on YouTube around about this, this bloke, Larry Walters, and this episode in his life. But anyway, on that summer afternoon, July 2, Walters went inside and got some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, as they are known in the US, a CB radio and a pellet gun. He got 36 weather balloons and filled them up with helium. He also took a six-pack of beer, and yes, obviously alcohol's involved here with this somehow. Larry attached the weather balloons to his aluminium lawn chair. In his mind, he thought, this will be great. I'll float up about 100 feet. When I want to come back down, I'll just my pellet gun out and I'll shoot some balloons and I'll float back down to earth. And my neighbours will think this is hilarious. He tied the 36 balloons to his lawn chair and headed off. And here's a picture of him heading up. But when he set sail, Walters didn't just go up, guess what, 100 feet in the air. Instead, he steadily climbed to 11,000 feet. It was then that he realised he was in the middle of the approach corridor of the Los Angeles International Airport. <laughs> and a TWA pilot saw him and radioed when he had seen what he had seen to the control tower. And they began diverting aircraft to keep from hitting Larry. Meanwhile, he began shooting the balloons one at a time. And unfortunately, probably one or two many beers, he dropped his gun in the process. But providentially, he had shot enough to begin descending. And of course, the police department got involved in the action. The media was involved. Everybody was chasing Larry as he headed back to Earth. He was a very quiet and docile man. And he was extremely frightened as he dodged death and made his slow descent. As soon as he landed, Walters was immediately surrounded by police and reporters. So before the police questioned him, there was an impromptu press conference with the media. And here's some questions that they asked Larry. They asked, were you scared? Larry said, yes, I was. They asked, would you do it again? <laughs> no, I would not. Then they asked him the final question, a great question. They asked, why in the world did you do it in the first place? And you know what Larry said? Larry Walters said, well, you just can't sit there. How about that for an answer? You just can't sit there. And I believe as our scripture passage today advocates... There comes a point when you have to take a risk and do something out of your comfort zone. And I don't advocate tying helium balloons to your lawn chair. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, we should not be content to be spectators. We are to be participants, regardless of the odds. So to agitate our thinking today, we are today going to look at the call of Abram. The verse to underline in your Bible is this, and this is the one out of so many of them that I want to focus with you today. And if you want to underline this one, I think it's a good thing. And it's Genesis 12, and it's verse 4 of our reading today. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. Abram, in today's passage, has given us a picture of how God wants to use each of us in this world, I believe. So, let's buckle up and go, eh? 
First, some context today. And I'll put these up on the screen as we go. Abraham, when his story starts, he's pretty much got nothing. There's a little tragic irony in how the writer sets the story up. And here are a few dot points. Abram's name means literally father. But he's 75 when, he, when, this, when his story opens. And he doesn't have any kids. But his name's literally called father. Later, his name changes to Abraham. Now, if I get mixed up in when I'm speaking this morning, it's one and the same person, okay? If I say Abraham, it's Abram. Now, Abraham means the father of many. In other words, Abram means just dad. And Abram means dad. Abraham means, if you like, big dad. But he's childless. childless. And another piece of the context is his life, I guess, some would describe at this point a cruel joke. He seems to have this destiny written into him. You know, you'll be the... Be a blessing, he'll be father, father of many across the nations. But he's nearing the end of his life, and he's got nothing. It's almost like life is mocking him. Now, I want to suggest this morning that some of us are in the same spot as Abram. That is, firstly, and this is for everyone, God has destined your life, my life, to have eternal significance. Secondly, Many of us, however, might be looking around and don't see it happening yet. That is okay, I want to say. But what are you doing about it? Abram is going to have to walk a path. He just can't sit there. Now, people always seem to start Abram's story here at this point in Genesis 12, as per our reading today. But really, it actually begins back in chapter 11. At the beginning of, chapter, of Genesis 11, as Steve shared last week, is the story of the Tower of Babel, a project that symbolised humanity's rejection of God, their declaration of independence from him and their wholesale worship of idols. That time was a very dark time. The end of chapter 11, if you have a sneak peek at that, if you've got your finger in there, devotes 22 verses explaining the family line that belongs to God near the end of Genesis 11, and it's the descendants of Shem. The final guy in this line is a fellow by the name of Terah. He has one son, Abram, and Abram is childless, childless, as I said. So really this looks like the end of the line. But just a side point, Abram's father, Terah, his name in Hebrew means literally moon, which was a Hebrew metaphor for the end. Furthermore, in Ur, where they lived, people worshipped the moon. So the fact that he's named moon suggests that this family has succumbed to the idolatrous culture. But as Genesis 11 ends, the last candle, when we read it, appears to be flickering out of God's lineage. The only godly family on earth has basically capitulated to idolatry. The darkness is about to completely swallow up the light. But I want to share with you a word that is often in scripture. You'll find it every now and then. It's a gem of a word and it's the word nevertheless. 
And just for an example, uh, I know it's not mentioned in there, but Peter, remember Peter? He was always putting his foot in his mouth. Nevertheless, he preached. And our Saviour Jesus Christ, he died and was put in the grave. Nevertheless, he rose again. So nevertheless, we're going to see one here right now. So verse 1, chapter 12, you might be saying, finally, Miles, let's get on with this. Here we go. The Lord had said to Abram, in verse 1, leave your country. And I'm going to add in there these words. You just can't sit there. Your people and your father's household. Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And then in verse 2 and 3, I'll read these to you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So in the midst of this great darkness at the end of Genesis 11, God calls a man who barely knows who he is and one who is childless, childless to boot, and tells him he is going to make from him a great nation of people who will worship and follow God and bless the whole earth with the knowledge of God. This is, by the way, a promise that you and I have inherited. You see, to make a long story short, one of Abraham's descendants was Jesus Christ. In Christ, God offered salvation to the whole world and we who are in Christ are now commissioned, as we all know, to bless the world by taking the news about Jesus to all the peoples in the world. We just can't sit there. It's interesting in Matthew's Gospel, you know, the first number of verses hits you where we get the clearest expression of the greatest commission. Matthew opens the Gospel by tracing the family line between Abraham and Jesus. And the Great Commission is an extension of the promise to Abraham. So for us today, if this is the only thing you take away, okay, I'm okay with that because it should encourage our next steps. Abraham's promise becomes our promise and his experience serves as a model to us which presents to each of us with a question. And here's the question I'm going to give you today that we need to ask ourselves. It's a simple question. But it's a challenging question for us each and every day because we're told every day to take up our cross. Am I really, really following God? This is a question about who is really in charge of your life, you or God. Abram, in verse 4 of our passage today, puts a, a yes on the table and did what God said in verse 1. And he let God put it on the map. God's command to Abraham is, is, is intentionally open-ended, I believe. Go to the land that I will show you. Basically, God said to Abraham, go. And I reckon Abraham said, well, where? And God said, I'll show you later. God said, verse 7, to your offspring I will give this land. And I reckon Abraham might have said, Huh? I've got no kids. God, what's, what's going on? 
My wife is barren. She can't bear children. God answers really, hey, I'll take care of that. Just follow me. And I love how John Calvin summarised God's call to Abraham just in a, in, a, in a few words. Just close your eyes and take my hand. Just close your eyes and take my hand. That's the call of Abraham. Makes me think, though, back then, what that really means. What did it mean to Abram? What does it mean to us today when God says, basically, just close your eyes and take my hand? And you might be thinking, well, how will just close your eyes and take my hand? And over the years, I've seen so many people I talk to unwilling to do this. When considering following God, they want to know, well, God, if I surrender everything to you, where are you going to make me go? Do I have to become a missionary? Do I have to change careers? Will I have to break up with my boyfriend? What if you tell me to change some part of my life that I don't know how to change yet? God, am I going to become one of those annoying people who put bumper stickers on their car and tells everybody to have a great day? I used to try and answer these questions, these type of questions for people. But then I realised that this was just people wanting to know exactly where God was going to take them before they follow him. They want to follow God without getting out of the driver's seat of their life and, and really that's an impossibility. God doesn't come to you to serve as an onboard navigation system whose, can I underline the word, suggestions... You can take or leave as you choose. He comes as the new car owner. I'm just going to share you a little story about Rosalind myself. She doesn't know this one today. I remember that Rosalind and I got into an argument in the car shortly after we got married. And after a few minutes of silence, I had this brilliant idea. Of course it was brilliant, it was mine of telling her how much better life would be if she would just be more like the little British woman who lived in the dash of my car <laughs> when I don't do what she wants she just kind of says recalculating <laughs> it didn't help my cause that was very early on in my marriage We've, I've learnt a lot since then <laughs> we're doing life together anyway as in this account with the call of Abram, God doesn't come to give suggestions and then recalculate based on our response. He comes for this, total surrender. Often, I believe, we want to know the what of his will when really all that should matter is the who. Just close my eyes and take my hand. So I want to point out one last thing as we close today, and if the music team would like to come up as we prepare for our last song. Just one more thing I want to share with you as we close. This calling, this was a calling Abram had to respond to, guess what, personally. In preparing the message for today, I learned something I'd never noticed before. Chapter 11 ended with Abram's whole family leaving Ur, going to Canaan under the leadership of Abram's father, Terah. 
But then they stopped halfway and settled at Haran, where Terah eventually died. So chapter 12, we see God basically saying to Abram, leave your country and your people, come out all the way with me. I'm sure Abram would have had some thoughts, something like this, but God, we've come halfway, it's okay here at Haran, it's comfortable, nobody wants to go any further. So literally, what God says to Abraham, or Abram, is this, come on, get going, follow me. And what did he do? Verses 5 and, a, five and 4 tell us, and you can have a read of those, we've read them already, Abram did. So this point, or the deal of the day, if you like, for the want of a better way of putting it, at some point you have to make your own decision to follow God. Such a journey definitely requires faith, as we will learn as we, as we journey with uh, Abram in Genesis. As we do life and reflect on the call of Abram, does it seem you are in the midst of an unknown journey today? Are you struggling to find direction and answers for the problems you face? Are you walking in the way God has led? If so, that's great. Continue that path. But don't forget you can come to him with your burdens and concerns. Share your heart and he will provide the direction. Maybe not in our time frame, but he will. Just close your eyes and take his hand. And today's passage, I must say as well, illustrates salvation. Abram was led from a place of sin and idolatry to a place of rest and provision in the Lord. He left the old life influenced by sin and walked by faith with the Lord. If you have not yet responded to the call of salvation in Christ, come to him in faith and repentance. He stands ready to save you and grant you eternal life. Are you hearing Jesus saying, come on, get going, follow me, trust me. Because you know what, at the end of the day, you just can't sit there. And if he's calling to you today, I invite you, as we sing our last hymn together, to come forward down to the front and I'll meet with you and pray with you. Just close your eyes and take his hand. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you And we come to you afresh today in total surrender. We are reminded of the call of Abraham and how he just did. He just didn't sit there. He listened to you. He obeyed and he walked in faith and by faith. Father God, if there's someone here today, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will rest upon them. That you will prompt them to come on, let's get going. And make it known to everyone else, Lord, that you are Lord of their life. I pray, Father, that through this coming week, as we do life, you will guide us and give us wisdom. Grant us your Holy Spirit each and every day. And may we remain in you, abide in you, Father God, protect us and help us in the areas of influence that you have placed us to be what you have called us to be 
and to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand and sing.